0: My name is Carl
1: And my name is Arthi And today we're doing catch-up number three Um, So we'll be talking about the episodes Karen Peralta, The 9-8, and House Masses. Woo! (laughs) I know, it's so exciting We
0: almost recorded this episode last week Or two weeks ago or something But then we didn't because of uh, (laughs) curses Um,
1: placed on
0: us by Elder (laughs) Generations
1: Yeah, a massive problem with my laptop is what carl is alluding to i i witches yes techno witches i i did figure out what the problem is there's some program on my laptop that is like necessary to the function of the operating system that is also taking up the entire like uh read like how do you say? It? Like it's not the RAM, and it's not like the CPU. It's the memory. It's the read write function of the disk. Um, like I guess it's holding everything in cache, and it's really frustrating because whenever that thing maxes out at a hundred, every other program freezes. And like this is this is like Google Chrome. This is Audacity. This is literally every. It's it's really annoying, and I can't figure out a solution to it that isn't buy a different computer.
0: <laughs> that sounds like Google Chrome style behavior. But for something that isn't Google Chrome.
1: Yeah, Google Chrome tends to be like very, very like... But like Google Chrome will take memory up memory. Hoggy. Yeah, but this yeah. is taking... But this is like read-write hoggy. I don't understand why like system performance and like menu animations are taking this much disk space. Like, the best solution I can find is that there was some knowledge-based Microsoft update that is causing this problem. Mm-hmm. Which would explain, because, like, I've been having this problem since, like, December before I upgraded to Windows 10. In fact, I upgraded to Windows 10 because I thought it would solve my problem. It didn't. No. Anyway, nah. I mean, it didn't make it worse. If And actually, Windows 10 I actually like, but there's other problems here, and it's very frustrating, and I'm just, like, low-key annoyed about the whole thing. Right. But, uh, you know what didn't annoy me? Karen Peralta, actually. I liked that episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Segue. (laughs) Segue. Hey, actually, uh, Carl, what's been going on in your life? I heard you went to a con this weekend.
0: Yeah, I went to Vericon, which is a small science fiction con run by Harvard Beesler. Which is a small science fiction con run by the Harvard Radical Science Fiction Association. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Um, I got to uh, watch my author network with other authors, which is already reaping rewards. And uh, my mercenary mission has been completed once again. It was a good time. I got to see a bunch of old college friends.
1: Right on. Um, and how's... Also, I got how to how walk all
0: the... F- hmm? Go ahead. Also, I got to walk all the fuck over uh, Cambridge and Somerville, which I didn't necessarily want to do. My feet are killing me.
1: <laughs> um, I was going to ask how New York is. Um, I know you're just in Boston, but like you're also in New York regularly.
0: Yeah. New York's fine.
1: Yeah? The weather is the... The oh,
0: weird all the time.
1: <laughs> Has the like massive subway shutdown happened yet?
0: What massive subway shutdown?
1: There's, like, some big, like, rotating subway shutdown that's going to happen.
0: Oh. That can't happen on the east side because we already don't have a subway.
1: Yeah. Wait, what?
0: I mean, we, we just don't. There are no other lines on the Upper East Side.
1: Yeah, except for the 4-6, the, the four, four, but, like, the buses are actually a pretty okay alternative.
0: Not for getting to work. Not if they shut down up and down. The buses take three times as long.
1: Not disagreeing. And especially if everyone on the Upper East Side has to use the bus, it's going to be a mayhem situation.
0: That hasn't happened to me. I think it's scheduled to happen on the West Side. And all kinds of shits going down the other boroughs.
1: Yeah. I mean, eventually they're going to have to temporarily close the 4-6 because that line does need a lot of maintenance. Yeah.
0: Well. Yeah. They can do it once they finish the 2nd Avenue subway line.
1: <laughs> you mean never? Yep. That thing is a myth. <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, have you heard about the L train getting shut down?
0: I, I've i heard about it. Um, that is directly impacting the lives of some of my colleagues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I And a lot of people are like... There's like a lot of mixed feelings. Like... When I was in New York in January, my friends and I were talking about it, and literally the group was 50-50. Half of them were like, I'd rather they just did, like, the weekend fast track, blah blah blah, and the other, and, like, it would just be miserable for a year and a half. But the other half was like, just shut it down for a year. Like, it's it's almost better if it just is being worked on 24-7.
0: Yeah, I think that half that's, like, just shut it down for a year is probably wrong, because, like, the people being affected by it are my colleagues with disabilities. Yeah. I have to commute in every single morning.
1: Yeah. I I won't lie. I'm on the shut it down. But, like, because because the buses and, like, the ferries and stuff are functional. And, and I don't know. I ride the bus here in L.A. And, like, the bus is if, – if you have a mobility issue in New York, like, the bus is kind of your only – means of transit most of the time anyway
0: (sighs) anyway I don't really have to worry about that because I'm able-bodied and rich
1: yeah I know sometimes I'm just like man I'm so glad I have this much privilege in my life like it's, it's nice to be able to be cognizant of and thankful for one's privileges yeah I guess um so uh so we should probably talk about these episodes, huh?
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: we did that's come our, that's with our
0: purpose on the third.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh. So uh what happens in Karen Peralta?
0: In Karen Peralta, uh Jake takes Amy to meet his mom and surprise his dad turns out they're dating again. I don't mean Jake and Amy they haven't broken up, so far as I know. If they break up, don't tell me. I'll probably find out about it eventually. Yeah, yeah, Jake doesn't want this and uh, tries to keep ruining his dad's life, which, like, I can't blame him for. But then his his mom's like, yeah, I I, I know he's fucked everyone. That's fine. And then the episode's over. I think there were some other plots.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, the C plot was the Escape the Room plot. Yeah, the the Escape the
0: Room plot really didn't matter.
1: And except the, the
0: except pe- that we have played Escape the Room. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, though. And then the B-plot was the body cam peanut joke.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, Charles put his penis in the public record. <laughs> but if someone was gonna, I mean, who else was it gonna be?
1: Accurate.
0: <laughs> the vulture. Oh, the vulture boy. would've.
1: <laughs> um yes <laughs> uh I guess let's uh let's start with the body cam plotline cause I cause we have we honestly I feel like we have more to say about escape the room like we have our own like anecdote to tell there and we'll finish on the Karen Peralta storyline um, sure the, the eponymous storyline um so uh Yeah, I think it was the AV club that pointed out, like, that this episode has this weird... They decide to talk about body cams, which is good, but they use it to just tell a series of penis jokes, which is, like, weird. Like, just straight weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, Boyle's penis is a character into itself, apparently, so...
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was just—I guess there was some st- some cognitive dissonance with like Terry. I mean, Terry at v. Least he
0: didn't do something even more inappropriate.
1: <laughs> I guess like my problem, well, one, I appreciated the insistent pronunciation of fa correctly. Like, like that was like did, a did great. Did someone
0: insist on that?
1: Yeah, Charles. Charles was like, okay. it's fa, <laughs> and it not pho.
0: pho. I had actual non-vegetarian fa for the first time this weekend.
1: How did it feel?
0: Yeah, I mean, it felt like I was eating. It tasted very good. <laughs> I also had non-vegetarian ramen, and I don't know how to go back. The, also, the ramen place near me can get fucked. <laughs> what? With a PHO.
1: The, the ramen yeah. place
0: near me is pretty bad. Uh, uh, the pho is good. It's a lot better with meat, because all soup is a lot better with meat.
1: Sure. It's not yeah, a probably. good
0: reason to put your penis in the public record. <laughs> Who I, eats fa so, In a van
1: While on stakeout
0: Pack a sandwich With like tripe or something
1: Yeah Yeah, Boyle made the wrong choice <laughs> All around And
0: <laughs> well, well, I think my- Boyle is, sincerely speaking The worst in the world Yeah
1: <laughs> The, the single best part of this episode for me was when Terry, upon being told that Boyle's penis is in the video, is just, why? Like, that was the best part of that plot line. Like, honestly. Just like Terry sitting here being so sincere about, like, the need and, like, the- I'm, the I'm sorry, of-
0: I received an action update for this episode. Wow. I've been informed by my lovely and classy wife that she would totally eat pho in a van. <laughs> and I have to retract my statement about Boyle being the worst, the worst for the sake of my marriage.
1: Got it. Can you also tell Love you lovely? <laughs> I have no opinion on Doyle. I just... It's, it's I just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't eat pho in a
0: van. It's bad for your clothes. <laughs>
1: And body cameras. I mean, in van.
0: What? I need mean, pho carefully in van. Well, Boyle would just need pho in a van with no fear of favor. Pho <laughs> truck coming to, to a street near you soon.
1: I'm sure there is one. There is a pho fu- which is a fu- pho inspired, inspired. You can't burrito. make a burrito
0: out of a soup.
1: I agree. It's actually more oh, wait. like wait. I guess
0: you could use a burrito as a kind of. You can use the pho, the kind of oju for a burrito, if you want to be a total fucking fuckhead.
1: <laughs> um, a uh, fuckhead? I no, can't. I'm I, sorry. Take it back. I retract. <laughs> I take that back too. I'm keeping all of that, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yes. Well, she's never agreed to be on the podcast explicitly, but if she's going to be around while Mike is hot, she gets to be in the podcast.
0: I'll achieve her consent in in exchange for you coming through on your promise to edit this episode, which you have made implicitly just now.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine. I have two to edit. I'll take care of it. The one we the catch cool. up number four is probably the one I'll have you edit. Um, since you we probably won't push that out for like another fucking month. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um What was I gonna say? Um yeah, well it, Terry's like, why? And, like, his... I guess, like, my my only issue with the B-plot is that, like, Terry's sitting here being, like, sincere about, like, police reform yeah. via body cameras. And, and, and Senor literally...
0: Whitey is over here putting dick pics in the public record.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> can you... God. <laughs> Just, like... Commit a police brutality and get it over with, Boyle.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. But Boyle got shot in the line of duty.
0: Oh. I mean, he yes, he did get shot in the line of duty, but these aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> One shouldn't meet their heroes.
1: <laughs> that's that's a later episode, though, Carl. Involving Meeting Boyle, heroes? too. Hmm.
0: Meeting heroes, though? Of-
1: yeah, that happens in um, in uh, House Masses, actually. But we'll get to there.
0: It does?
1: That's the boil plotline in House Masses.
0: Oh! Houses. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I've forgotten everything.
1: <laughs> we'll get there. Um, let's talk about that time we did Escape the Room.
0: We escaped, bitches. It was pretty
1: great. Yeah. It's pretty great. We
0: escaped because I noticed it the last time. You can put keys in doors. In the last thirty seconds of the game, with like this key, I'll put it in the door. <laughs> I'm of the best. I'm the gonna win.
1: <laughs> but I really that want wasn't...
0: to escape the room again.
1: Yeah, was that was was that? Yeah, you're right. It was. Oh man. Um, that I was appreciate. It, was it what? No, no, I. I was trying- I remember like the switches with the lights, yeah, yeah,
0: but the last thing we got was a key, and we were like, "What do we do with this key? What do we do with this key?" And I was like, maybe, we'll try it on the door.
1: <laughs> God's bless. um, I feel like we were stuck in that in that office room for forever,
0: yeah, I wasn't very helpful in that office room ne-
1: neither was I though.
0: You know what? Probably not that enthralling for our uh, listenership.
1: (laughs) Are reminiscing about the time they've never
0: seen or escaped?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That said, those are really fun puzzles. I I love puzzles.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I like
0: puzzles pretty well. I like puzzles (laughs) a lot less well than Nicholas Cage's character in National Treasure.
1: (laughs) Isn't that true of everyone? Yes (laughs)
0: That National Treasure 2 Is the highest concentration Of puzzle love In any movie Or book Or game Or piece of fiction Or piece of reality
1: But But It's got a bigger
0: boner For puzzles Than puzzle hunt participants
1: I agree What's What's the guy's name Who got the like Degree in puzzleology And then And Uh, then
0: Symbology
1: No No No, That's the other
0: one Uh Nicholas Cage's character, I don't remember.
1: Also, the guy who, like, uh... I can't believe
0: I've forgotten this shit, despite <laughs> the fact that I've seen National Treasure <laughs> 2 Book of Secrets 30 times.
1: What? That's amazing! Yeah. That's amazing!
0: I did an mst 3 k of it my freshman year.
1: You, you're my hero. <laughs> Why? You're my hero.
0: <laughs> I, I participated in a club activity. Ben Gates is the main <laughs> character. Benjamin Franklin Gates. I can't oh. believe I forgot that. <laughs> um,
1: I, met, I meant Will Shorts, the puzzle master for the New York Times crossword puzzle. Oh, yeah. Who's like in he's real life... Sub,
0: he, he's sub Ben Gates, though.
1: I was going to say, but like insofar as like real life people who goddamn love puzzles, I feel like that guy wins.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Probably. Um... Um what was I gonna say?
0: If I have to start a feud to with Will Shorts to finish this podcast, it will have been worth it.
1: God, we're only like it's fine. So like the <laughs> <laughs> the the um I, I I was really surprised Scully and Hitchcock were helpful. Scully Scully had that great line at the end. What did he say? He uh he said you're hearing my notes move, by the way. Um, um, he said. He said when about... his dad was a prisoner of war in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> and he learned Morse code apparently to communicate with his father.
0: Which that's a pretty hardcore. But <laughs> does the math work out for Scully to have been a kid
1: during the Korean War? Uh. It's yeah, probably. If he was, if he was like in his twenties and the seventies, he could have been a youth in the fifties when the Korean War happened.
0: That makes sense. That's actually like an d- extremely touching, poignant, and badass backstory.
1: Yeah, but too bad you'd we're think never it would be eat- given
0: to a real character.
1: <laughs> right, right. Uh, and like I mean, Hitchcock was basically worthless. Like he Except discovered that he cracked the Morse code. No, no, no. Scully cracked Morse code. Oh,
0: Hitchcock. Hitchcock just ate.
1: No, Scully ate all the peaches also.
0: Oh, okay. What did Hitchcock do?
1: The TV. He figured out that the TV requires four clicks to change channels. Ah. But it didn't matter, because Holt was the one who recognized the significance of the game on TV. Hitchcock was worthless Scully yes. at least was useful twice over. oh man, Gina and Scully were about as or Gina and Hitchcock were about as useful this episode as, as Scully and Hitchcock usually are. That's weird. I don't know if I like that um by the way, um back to the back to the body cam plot line uh did you notice that the the perpetrator was Vietnamese? Was he? His name was Mr. Tran.
0: Ah. I think I noticed that at the time. Um,
1: that also explains why they were across from a pho restaurant. Though, I didn't think there was a Vietnamese neighborhood in New York at all.
0: I mean, I'm within X blocks of a pho restaurant. And I'm not Vietnamese.
1: Sure. Well, it was like a interesting. Does Vietnam detail. do
0: a lot of drug smuggling?
1: Um, because
0: it could Vietnam... be he just likes pho
1: True. Uh Well, Vietnam is an opiate producer. They do. They do farm poppies in the countryside. Huh. But Thailand is better known for being part of the Golden Triangle of opium trade. Huh. You asked the correct person about, like, illegal drug trades internationally. <laughs> um, if you're curious why I know this, I did a lot of research into organized crime several years ago. Um, and, and the upside of the black market is that once you establish supply lines, they generally don't change.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I could also see the opposite.
1: They 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 prob- they change as much as they need to. So until people figure out where the stuff is coming from or going to, um, oh, um, I guess let's talk about the main plot line because I feel like uh,
0: we've got a lot of episodes left to do.
1: Yeah, let's definitely talk about the A plot. Um, so the A plot of this episode, um, I will say Karen was not how I expected her to be. Like, you and I had talked before, and we theorized that she was probably a nurse, given that she talks about, like, Jake has mentioned that she had to take shifts over Thanksgiving. Yeah. But, like, if she's a public school art teacher, why the hell wasn't she home for Thanksgiving?
0: (laughs) Had to take shifts over Thanksgiving as an art teacher. This show doesn't know shit about itself.
1: Sometimes.
0: I guess she had to do some critical art shifting.
1: I guess. I mean, I just don't know. Like, what could she... I, maybe they're disregarding that. They did forget last season that Jake hates Thanksgiving. Uh, turkey tastes like napkins. <laughs> no, that was last season. Sorry, what I meant was...
0: This season they... they turned around on shrimp.
1: Yeah, they they keep forgetting weird details about Jake.
0: Yeah. You'd think they'd have, like, a wiki a or bible. something.
1: A show bible. <laughs> a
0: show wiki bible. <laughs> I don't know. I you mean, think they can... she's not like she's not like you expected? Because you thought she was British.
1: Well, I wanted her to be British because I thought that'd be a great meme, or like a great like weird joke that Jake's complete inability to do a British accent is because his English mom was like, "Do it better, honey." <laughs> that said, yeah. that said, Katie Sagal is actually a great choice. Like. She is a terrific actress. I've liked her a really long time. Um, what
0: else has
1: she ter- done? Um, she's Taronga Lila on Futurama. Who? She's best uh, Taronga Lila. She's ah. Lila on Futurama. Um, she's also best known for um, her work at, on Married with Children. Oh. Um, and that's not uh,
0: Bella's favorite so
1: Um, it was like a sitcom, more than a soap.
0: Oh, I don't know anything.
1: Uh, all my children. It is
0: sounds. Soap opera. It sounds like All My Children.
1: Um, Married with Children was a, a. It was like a early '90s sitcom, I think. Early to mid '90s sitcom, with. Um, it was like tonally closer to Roseanne than Ugh. than like the Cosby Show or anything else. It was about a like, working class, white family. Um, Like... Uh,
0: back when it was achievable for working class white family to afford a marriage and children.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I will say, though, that, like, while while she... And, like, she's great casting. And, like, while she wasn't quite the way I, I, like, expected her to be, like, I thought she'd be a nurse. I thought maybe she would be... I guess I just expected her to be different. I will say that... Her relationship with Jake is exactly the way I wanted it to be.
0: Her relationship with Jake makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, especially the way it turns out that he's been unnecessarily protecting her for years.
1: Yeah, that felt very, like, real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that felt. that felt... That felt true and honest about, like, to those characters and to what we know about Jake. Um. Though. Though, uh. I will also say that, like, at the end when Roger hugs Jake and Jake kind of reluctantly returns the hug. and he doesn't even really hug back. He just kind of lifts his arms. Um. That also felt true. i kind of don't want Jake and his dad to, like, resolve their issues because I think it's actually better for Jake to sort of be on the outs with his dad. I think it's narratively more interesting.
0: Also, he can keep threatening him with prison.
1: (laughs) Plus, Roger Peralta is, like, genuinely not a good person. And I... Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the thing about it is, mm
1: -hmm.
0: is that... He could theoretically be the right person for Kara. Could theoretically be the right person for Karen without being a good person? Mhm. He's a total shithead. He's the wrong person for Jake. Mhm. But he could still make Jake's mom happy, theoretically.
1: Yeah, I mean anything can happen, but I don't know. As much as I like Bradley Whitford, I just find Roger Peralta so uh just so not great.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a fuckhead.
1: <laughs> he's deplorable. I can't handle God. Oh, and then when Jake was doing charades, I like literally couldn't watch it. I was so uncomfortable. Which part? The part I where like Jake that. is mimicking. The part where Jake is mimicking um uh catching his dad in charades when he he's trying to tell his dad I know about you. Yeah. Sleeping with mom's best friend, and that was so uncomfortable I could not watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: Poor Amy but, in this episode.
1: Go but she's a hundred percent the best. Like, she's she fully tried committed really, to really hard. I know. Oh god, I when mean, she started singing It'sy Bitsy Spider
0: <laughs> Poor Both... Poor broken person.
1: <laughs> but like she she she. She learned everything she possibly could about Jake's mom. She, she fended off, like, she, like, made excuses for Jake for an hour of conversation. That's, with, with their kid, like, upstairs in his childhood bedroom, like, sulking. Like, Amy's the real hero of this episode.
0: She also made fun of every single thing in Jake's room.
1: That, okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I'm glad
0: not, maybe, that when we eventually, when Bella eventually goes to Tulsa, there won't be very much of my room to display my past stupidities compared to Jake.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jake's. There Jake's will pretty,
0: be some real shitty hats, though. I yeah, used to probably. collect stupid ass hats.
1: That photo, by the way, according to Melissa Fumero, is a real is an actual photo of teen Andy Sandberg. like not not some like photoshopped. Other picture sort of nonsense? Like, an, a legitimate photo from his youth?
0: Well, a lot of the legitimate photos from his youth look ridiculous.
1: <laughs> well, his dad's a pro photographer, so I'm not surprised he's got all these pictures of himself as a child. Ah. Um. I. I really liked this episode, actually. And, like, I. I liked the A-plot more and literally every other plot less on Rewatch.
0: <laughs> I liked the A-plot of this episode a lot. I yeah. didn't like the B or C-plot particularly. I didn't yeah. hate them. I didn't even dislike them. I just don't care about them. <laughs> yeah. They Total felt apathy. really extraneous. <laughs>
1: um, Although I, the, the episode after Karen Peralta, the 9-8, I liked... I liked the B and C plots a lot more than the A plot, mm. um, and so but they they those two plots are intertwined. So Carl, what happens in the nine eight?
0: The nine eight shows up. They invade the nine yes. nine. It's
1: yes. bad.
0: I don't <laughs> yes. remember. I don't <laughs> remember what happened. I know <laughs> at one point they try to have office outside. I know that they. Break a pipe.
1: Mhm.
0: Jake's somewhere else. <laughs> mm.
1: I'll do this one. Yeah. So in the nine eight, <laughs> in the A plot, well, in the in the unifying like all thing that affects all three plot lines, the other precinct, the nine eight, has been debased, and not that's not right. Has been has had their building that they're normally headquartered in. Like is undergoing maintenance or construction or whatever, so they have to go um, share space with the 99 for a while until those repairs or whatever can be completed. The 99 overall is not super thrilled about this, but Jake and Charles are less um, unthrilled because they're planning on being on stakeout, so not even in the office for the like most of the time that the 98 is scheduled to stay with them. But when the 98 starts to file in. Uh, Damon Wayans Jr. shows up, and it turns out he and Jake used to be partners on on patrol together when they were still both beat cops. They called themselves the Beatsy Boys. Um, oh, I remember Damon-
0: this episode now.
1: Yeah. Um, it Stevie, was fine. Yeah, thank you. Stevie ends up tagging along with Jake and Charles' investigation, botching it, planting evidence to incriminate the main offender. Um, and ultimately ends up inciting a riot. In the B-plot, Rosa and Amy are forced to share their desks, and Terry is forced to share his equipment. Um, things are not going well. Amy's deskmate has a very large dog that he won't move, and he swears is a, like, medical dog. Foot dog. Yeah. Deal with uh, the emotional
0: pain of having feet.
1: yes. Or a, broken, a once broken foot, I guess, question mark. Rosa's deskmate is chatty um, in that like quaint TV Minnesota way that TV thinks all midwesterners are like, uh,
0: Yeah, um, in which they think is absolutely abominable. How dare women speak?
1: It's not It's not it's always how women too. Always women who do the Midwestern voice, the yeah. Minnesota Midwestern voice. But yeah. like uh, yeah, anyway. Uh the C plot, uh Holt has been kicked out of his office and is having to socialize with Gina to make up for the lack how, of private space. If
0: you start in Minnesota, how do you end up a cop in New York City?
1: She's technically a civilian assistant, right? Is she? No, she's not. She must be a detective. She's sharing, she's with sharing Rosa. a desk
0: with with Rosa. The civilian assistant got, gets banished by Gina.
1: Yes, you're right. I don't know. I don't Do you know. Be, so, well, in real life, the New York Police Department does not like to hire locals. They prefer to hire Jersey and Long Island kids. Yeah. And, like, further away.
0: Also, if you're mobile enough to get to New York from Minnesota with that thick of an accent, why are you working for the police?
1: I don't know, man. I can't help you there. <laughs> um, I mean, the main character of Homicide: A Year on the Killing Streets, as a, his name was uh, Pembleton. He, uh, A Year on the Streets, rather. Um, Pembleton was from New York, but was a cop in Baltimore. That, that's the character Andre Brower played. <laughs> So, right. I don't know. Have I missed. I around. missed
0: a lot of that due to the audio bumping, but I think I'm okay.
1: Ugh. Cool. Okay. Well. And anyway, C plot happened. So the riot that Stevie incited in the A plot spills into the B and C plots, tying them all off. So the nine eight gets booted out. Everyone goes home happy, and the nine nine is well, lacking not the in 9-8. heat. Well, yeah, they move on to another precinct, but the nine nine has no heat for a while because Holt broke a radiator pipe to force the nine eight out. Oh, yeah, and they tried to set up an extern an office in the like patio deck thing. That that's the
0: part the- I. That's the part I already recapped. You don't need to retread that. That's what I oh, remembered. Oh yeah. That's okay. Cool. That's why when I said they tried to have office outside.
1: Oh yeah. That's right. So, actually, I was going to say, uh, oh, shit, I wanted to talk about the cold open of the last episode really quick, and we'll talk about the cold open of this episode. Um, sure. We have, so the Karen Peralta cold open is Jake on a hoverboard. Um, I was yeah. just going to say, uh, we have hoverboards at my office. One, they're not that hard to learn. Jake is ridiculous. And two, um... Once you once you get really good on them, like you can do some crazy fucking tricks, man. Like people in my office are like doing like one legged rolling arounds, and some of them have tried handstands. Like there's some crazy stuff you can do.
0: I see. Yeah. All I know about hoverboards is a, they make me feel bad about youth and b, the the New York subway has decided to inform people that hoverboards are not allowed on the subway because although they're very hip, they catch fire.
1: So they only catch fire while they're charging Okay It has to do with the shielding around the lithium ion battery New York City don't care Basically Um, This episode's cold open Is the suitcase auction That ends up with Jake in a spray tan And like very bright white clothing (laughs) If you remember that
0: I don't remember that
1: that's okay. I, I suddenly realized when I was rewatching the episode, we never find out what's in that suitcase from 1976.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember it now. Who wins it? Um,
1: Jake wins it because he promises Gina total control right, over right. his physical appearance.
0: Well, I'm sure he just accidentally threw it down an open mine shaft
1: <laughs> while trying crazy.
0: to get Charles out of a tree. <laughs>
1: Um, The the episode's actual plots open with Holt saying alright everyone, settle down television happened, commutes were difficult Boyle had a dream um, and I, relate, I related to that line on a spiritual level because he's right, all first in the morning small talk is exactly those things someone had a dream, my commute was really hard or we talk about TV Like, you and I literally started our conversation with, like, before the recording even started, with a discussion of television.
0: Yeah, we did. How is Daredevil?
1: Um, I'm only in the middle of season two, episode two, but I am quickly being reminded of how great Foggy Nelson is as a character and as a human being. Um, And... So season two, at, by the time we finally put this out, everyone will have seen it. But like season two, the main villain character appears to be. It looks like they're splitting it between the Punisher and um, Elektra's arrival, which probably foreshadows the hand being more involved with this season. And like that's just me speculating uh. about. I, mean, I know about the Punisher because of. Like, I've, I'm in episode two, but like, and I'm a comics fan, but Electra I've seen in mostly promotional material, so I'm kind of guessing about her.
0: Is she going to be involved with Loras Terrell when he shows up?
1: Uh, who is he again?
0: He's, a, he's the white dude they cast as Iron Fist. He played oh. Loris Terrell on Game of Thrones. The prettiest boy in Westeros.
1: Right! I forgot he about di- that. He
0: dies of being too pretty. I think. Jesus. I think Loras is dead. I don't actually remember.
1: <laughs> in my He must die. I, he's gay. I was going to say most of the people in Game of Thrones are dead, like except for like the six main characters uh who are still alive. Um I am really upset about that casting. My brother and I were talking about it. Um Yeah. I'm really annoyed cuz the rest of that cast is probably going to be Chinese or ambiguously East Asian, and I'm just, like, really upset about it.
0: Yeah, he... It's just such an... It's such an easy opportunity to be a little less shitty.
1: Yeah, I was... My brother and I... The way I said, explained it to my brother about, like, why people are upset, I said, I said to him... Marvel has been doing a good job of making risky choices with their T V series and this was another place for them to take like a risk and instead they played it very, very, very safe.
0: I mean, Loris Tyrrell isn't even that big a draw or anything, like Nah. Like who's that motherfucker, honestly?
1: Like they they may as well have cast Harry Shum Jr in it. Harry Shum Jr is too old for the role, but still, like at least more people have seen Glee than Game of Thrones.
0: I guess that's true.
1: Like in literal numbers.
0: I'll I'll believe you.
1: I mean, I I just remember Glee getting these like record-breaking numbers on Fox way back in like 2010.
0: Whoa! You're shitting me. Loras Terrell's still alive.
1: <laughs> I thought you were asking me about ratings numbers. I was like, Carl, <laughs> Glee was a hit. No, I. I don't
0: really. I don't really mind one way or another. But.
1: Well, I'll be. I can't believe he's still alive. Is he? Al- is he still alive in the books, though?
0: His status is so far unconfirmed. Loras was horribly injured by quarrels, maces, and boiling oil. Yeah, in a dance with dragons, he's reportedly gravely injured at Dragonstone. But well, Cersei's yeah. the last one who heard anything about him, and she's not super agency in Dance with Dragons.
1: Got it. Um, I think
0: I don't actually. She doesn't do much in Dance with Dragons. I think. It's the book before that where she gets to parade naked through the city.
1: I, um.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I don't follow, Asowef or Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, uh. Yet yeah, Daredevil season two. Um, I don't know if she'll be involved with. Well, technically, Dan, Danny isn't involved with the hand. He's involved with. Um, you watched most of season one of Daredevil, so the, the opium operation in Chinatown, that's what. Uh, Danny yeah, would be the
0: one for. where it has mystic kung fu.
1: Yeah, he's more and mystic ninjas. kung fu dragon imagery, whereas the Yakuza. Oh, wait, are involved so with the, the, hand. the
0: Chinese ones, right.
1: Right, yeah. Like, everyone in, everyone in Iron Fist is going to be Chinese, or, like, it's going to be evoking, like, Chinese uh, imagery and Orientalism, like, frankly. And
0: he got all the best come through from that one time he went to an unspecified place in China. <laughs> and blended in with his blonde-ass hair and his blue-ass eyes in China. Dude wouldn't be able to walk down the fucking street without being trailed by children. <laughs> it's not stealthy. I've been to that's China why he wears, and I had that's why he, I had people following me around imitating how I walk.
1: But Carl, that's why he wears the bright green costume with the yellow uh, fuck that
0: costume. <laughs>
1: So okay, realness, Danny Rand is not involved with the hand. The hand is almost entirely connected to Daredevil. Danny but... Hand. <laughs> no, his name is Danny Rand. Sure. Um, <laughs> and he's he's involved with oh god, it's it's so Orientalist garbage. It's so frustrating. But like the he's he becomes best friends with Luke Cage. So my cool. guess is we'll see that plot line, like the setup for Iron Fist happen in the Luke Cage series coming out later this year. Okay. But Luke Cage I'm glad Bridges, that we'll
0: spend the Luke Cage series setting up Iron Fist.
1: We're not going to spend the whole series setting up Iron Fist. We're probably okay. just going to spend one, by maybe far, two episodes. By,
0: by far, the worst part of Jessica Jones was the part where they were setting up things that weren't that season of Jessica Jones. Everything they did for Daredevil and everything they did for Jessica Jones season two was basically garbage as far as I'm concerned. Did they set up
1: anything? Compared to the rest of the show. But like, did they set up anything in. The
0: entire you've seen it, right? The what? You've seen it, right?
1: I've seen I've seen Jessica Jones, yeah.
0: The entire purpose of like Street Buff McPolice Crazy is for season two. That's why he spends all of season one just Going more insane and fucking up the plot.
1: Oh yeah, well that I knew about. Uh, Will Will Sim Will Simpson. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But but that also sets up Trish and her Hellcat storyline origin story.
0: Yeah, but I hate him.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's. I'm. I'm not. You know what I mean. But like the the thing is like the worst part of daredevil season one is them setting up the hand they set up iron fist without it being like completely craziness like it wasn't total crazy talk but the like three episodes where stick is around and he fights the yakuza soldier on fire that's crazy shit that like makes no fucking sense and seems to add nothing to the plot and is like three straight episodes (laughs) yeah the Iron it's Fist big. stuff makes way more sense. I, Jessica Jones setting up Luke Cage also, like, very, very like nicely done and like dovetails nicely with the larger plot of JJ. Like,
0: yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's all I have to say about uh, the nine eight.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, fuck! We didn't talk about this episode at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shit, we have to talk. Old friends um, are
0: bad sometimes. Then you make new ones, and they completely make the old ones go to prison.
1: <laughs> um, I was going to say that the the things I did like were Charles. This is actually this and House Mouses are episodes where Charles actually is kind of terrific. He in in this episode and the next episode, Charles is almost one hundred percent the straight man, and he's exceedingly self aware of the entire situation around him. Like, every minute he's on screen. For example, uh, yeah. what is it that he says? He's like, uh, he says... Um, like, I haven't been
0: trying I, to... I should talk... So, I should talk Charles Boyle a lot. Mm-hmm. But, frankly, one good thing I can say about him is I think J- if Jake had kind of drugs, Charles would arrest him. Yeah. Like I think he would, he actually doesn't give a shit about blue solidarity.
1: Yeah, I mean he does and he doesn't, right? Like Charles said in the first season that he jumped in front of that bullet for Rosa, not because it was Rosa, but because he saw uniform.
0: That's not blue solidarity, though. No, that's like that's a different thing.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean, but like I I that's not about
0: closing ranks. That's about balance. Yeah. Boyle doesn't close ranks. Agreed. He's too open a person.
1: Well, and I also appreciate that Jake doesn't... That, he, he doesn't fight was, it when there's proof? Yeah. Like, he, Jake straight up says to Stevie, uh, I wish I were more like Charles. He's a good cop and an honest person. Um, and I like that Jake knows that... So far, so much that he is willing to accept Charles's word on the situation and go question the lesser known party about it, yeah yeah,
0: um now I think we should move on to house mouses though
1: so. oh yeah, I mean, I have all these notes that i'll put po- I'll type them up and put them up later um so what happens in house mouses
0: uh in house mouses um <laughs> Do you want me to do Jake, that again? No, I remember this one, now. In House Nosses, uh, Jake is drawn moth-like to the flame of celebrity. When he <laughs> discovers, A, that the case he pawned off on Hitchcock and Scully is actually potentially the biggest drugs bust in the 99's history since Giggle Pig, I guess. And right, B, like,
1: Jake, Terry says that, and I just remember being like, didn't you guys have a whole arc about this last season, but okay.
0: Maybe it's the biggest marijuana bust.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I was going to say something um, and don't no, say it. No, no, no. I can't figure out how to put it together. And okay. B, uh, that the celebrity in question is some, like, orchestra dude. Oboist? <laughs> Oboist. Yeah, he's
1: the first chair of the New York Philharmonic's oboe section.
0: Obo oboe isn't even a cool classical instrument.
1: My brother played the oboe.
0: Case... I rest my case. Hey! Hey! He
1: also played saxophone, which is a really cool instrument.
0: Yeah, saxophones are much cooler and aren't allowed in, in orchestras.
1: Yeah, marching band.
0: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway. Jake realizes this particular piece of, ch- of celebrity attachment won't get in any tail... So he tries to get the case back from Hitchcock and Scully, but they've already put themselves in mortal danger. (laughs) Their skills with chairs and sweat end up saving everyone's life. (laughs) In the B plot, uh, Holt can- Holt is forced to, uh, face the fact that orchestra kind of sucks at making money and putting good people in ranks and all people in orchestra are criminal delinquents. <laughs> Boyle's there too. He <laughs> solves the case.
1: Boyle solves the case and keeps Holt honest. I wanna make that clear. <laughs>
0: um I think that Amy and Rosa and Gina face their fears.
1: Yeah, and that plot line was the weirdest mess of a plot line.
0: it's definitely the worst plot the three of them have been in together.
1: Yes. And it's, like, super shoehorned in. It doesn't connect. Like, Amy's jump from Rosa doesn't like needles to lets all of us face our fears is, like, like, I know I was supposed to buy into it, and definitely the second time, I was like, no. I don't. I can,
0: I can see a really dim fifth grader doing that, though. That's a My uh, Little Pony plot.
1: Yeah, but my my expectations for adults versus, like, uh, I, no, like, my, okay, maybe it's a My Little Pony pony plot line, but I hate to admit this, but My Little Pony would have made the logical leap there a little more clear. If you say so. At least My Little Pony has the underlying underpinning notion that like the girls are working on their self, the main six are working on self improvement so that they can. Demonstrate this to Princess Celestia for some reason. IDK. Shrug. But it's probably so
0: they can earn their place in the imagined meritocracy.
1: Or it's because
0: of ponies. I'm not a hoofhead. I couldn't tell you.
1: I'm not a Brony, but I know my show. And whatever. Point being, Amy goes. Rosa doesn't like needles. Gina doesn't like business people, and I'm claustrophobic. Let's all face our fears. I feel like
0: business people fear.
1: That was such weird a weird. Weird isn't a fear. good
0: enough reason.
1: Weird. Weird. It was such a weird fear. It makes total sense for Gina, who's like inherently should,
0: eclectic. Gina should conquer her fear by sexually dominating a herd of businessmen and leaving them frustrated.
1: Financial domination?
0: No, sexual Gosh, domination.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: um. Not by pretending to like move among them. Anyway, the one good thing I liked about that plot was the ending when Rosa yelled at the blood taker.
1: <laughs> was it? Her last line was amazing. It was, do your job, drain me! <laughs> it was amazing. You know what? I will say that the entire it, plot line was allowed to make no sense for her to be able to do that. That was really funny. Like, it really reminded
0: funny. me of like some of the things that Arnold Schwarzenegger yells in Commando.
1: Oh yeah. do it!
0: Stick the knife in me. Turn the blade.
1: <laughs> this was also the second time someone yelled and then they like cut away from it. So like Scully yells, Chickpea no! <laughs> <laughs> also earlier in this episode, um, which which was great, actually. Um, and I, I made me realize like isn't isn't Scully possibly already married to someone named Kelly?
0: That could be a dog.
1: Right, but we know he has a wife, because they're like, is Kelly your wife or your dog? And Scully's like, you don't know my wife's name? I'm hurt.
0: Well, I mean...
1: (laughs) Oh, and then they met after an orgy, or like out of a sex club or something, right? It was like a real meat cute
0: (laughs) This only makes more sense. Scully doesn't want to marry Hitchcock's wife.
1: Yeah but why does he agree to that If he's already married to somebody else
0: Hitchcock said it
1: Fair Um, I I will say I was really surprised that Hitchcock Like doubled down on his cover He's Tex Dallas (laughs) from Dallas Texas (laughs) No no Scully is Tex Dallas from Dallas Texas He's Reno Vegas From Reno Nevada
0: I guess I don't remember
1: did he say he's Reno, Vegas? From Did he say from Reno, Las Vegas? That'd be weird.
0: I, I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, um, uh, fun fact, I also didn't go to prom. Amy went as student chaperone and I didn't go. I <laughs> went my to notes.
0: one out of two possible proms. Right on. I had a pretty bad time. I was on crutches. Oh no! I got dumped in between dinner and the prom.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, that's.
0: I have the worst prom story.
1: Yeah. What? Well, we, we I should, was on we crutches
0: should. for the first day of my crutches period.
1: <gasps> no, that's the worst. Yeah,
0: I, I turned my ankle the night beforehand.
1: <laughs> god. Oh God.
0: I would have really preferred for her to, like, have told me that she was, like, not interested in our, like, casual thing when I told okay. her that I turned my ankle instead yeah, of my... in At between dinner <laughs> and the prom.
1: Fucking Christ. Yes, uh, she made a tactical We still
0: went together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I, uh, On that happy
0: my... note, do we have anything else to say about this episode?
1: Uh, Jake's is it a Chris Pine, Evans Hemsworth, <laughs> Pratt, <laughs> like Rock? He names like eight different Chrises who are famous, <laughs> and and I thought that was pretty genius. And uh, Amy notes that the last movie she saw was a documentary about Helvetica, and it played like an action thriller. I have seen that that documentary it does play like an action thriller so are you fucking kidding me
0: i'm not okay didn't (laughs) that movie come out like years and years and years ago
1: yeah like at least five years ago like what when i first came to new york a long time ago um who
0: who is there who hasn't seen helvetica yet and is going to
1: (laughs) i don't know i really don't maybe amy
0: doesn't get to see very many movies
1: Uh, she might also just be... Well, she does work a lot.
0: Yeah, but if there's one thing I have learned from reading fan fiction, 90% of the time they initiate sex is because of Die Hard.
1: Ah, yes. Um, I guess all I want to talk about is the cold open with the, uh, originally the basket of, like, cheeses and sweets, and it becomes a basket of office supplies. Um my my favorite my favorite thing out of that, I wrote down here, I was like, Terry's yelling out, Eat the note, and I'm making to like take a bite out of it.
0: Why would that help?
1: I don't know, but it was such a great bit, God bless. Um
0: I guess that's... I guess the fact that he didn't think to send office supplies in the first place is just another indication of how much their relationship was suffering.
1: Wait. Yes,
0: and that's something we'll talk about next episode.
1: Yeah, because I haven't seen them, so yeah. Thank you for that <laughs> foreshadowing. Um, I I only have one story, and then we can. I'll let you go, um, or we'll close out or whatever. Um, I met Marin Dungey. Let me. She plays Sharon, Sharon. Terry's wife.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. She was very sweet about the like I bumped into her and I was like, You look a lot like Marin Dungey. She goes, That's because I am Marin Dungey. And I go, (laughs) Oh (laughs) I went, Oh, well, um, I think you're I think you're great. I really loved your guest spot on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think you added great energy to the cast and she's very gracious and I was like, Well, sorry for interrupting. Bye. and her friend we grow ever closer
0: to fame i'm sorry we we draw ever closer to fame inch by inch so so
1: so close um well uh what was i saying oh her friend was charmed that she that that maron was recognized and i'm just glad i wasn't like i loved you on alias because that was like 10 years ago uh, no, it was it was really cool to meet her. Um, she's like she's I was in heels and she was in heels and she was just out in North Hollywood. Um, OK, that was just it was just like a random, like unexpected thing that happened, uh, which was really cool. Uh, there was something else. Oh, have you seen Zootopia yet, by the way?
0: No, I'm not going to.
1: Wait, no, you should. It's great.
0: No, I'm not going to.
1: Uh, why aren't you going to go see Zootopia, Carl?
0: Because when I look back at all the movies I didn't see last year, like, I didn't see Creed, didn't see a lot of things that I probably would have liked to, didn't see Sicario, I think, at the end of this year, what will I have seen? And if the answer is just Zootopia, (laughs) I'll be pretty mad at myself. So I think it's safer just to not see Zootopia. I'm not saying it's, oh. it's bad or in any way not good. I just don't think I'm going to see it.
1: That's fine. Um, I I did see it. For our audience who cares about Disney movies, it's great. It is... Actually, if you really like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you will actually really enjoy Zootopia. Because it's A, about racism. B, a very, very committed mystery story. And C, uh, just really, really gorgeous. Like a really beautiful movie. Like visually stunning so um if you like brooklyn nine nine disney movies and parables about racism definitely go see that
0: i will add my blind endorsement (laughs) see the animal policeman movie
1: (laughs) um and on that note this has been back in the field my name is arthy
0: my name is carl
1: thanks for listening and we'll see you for catch up four bye
0: bye